Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The Toronto Raptors are hanging around. Time expiring in the first quarter. Cleveland getting a bucket at the buzzer. So after 12 minutes in Toronto, 31-25, the Cavaliers leading the Raptors. So still much to be decided there after the Raptors got absolutely steamrolled in Game 5 in Cleveland. Memorial Cup tonight. The Huskies leading the Rebels 2-0 in the semifinal. That's after the first period. The Blue Jays lead the Red Sox 5-2 after six. Aaron Sanchez, six strong innings for the Blue Jays so far tonight. He has allowed only three hits of the two runs. One was earned. He has struck out five and walked one on 81 pitches as the Blue Jays tried to get back to 500 for the season. The Stanley Cup final will start on Monday at 6. Sharks and Penguins will have the game for you right here on 6.30 Chet, so no inside sports that evening. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Coming up in this hour, you'll hear a little bit from Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley. The Eskimos got their Grey Cup rings this afternoon. Training camp starts tomorrow. Play-by-play voice uh, Morley Scott will join us once again. 6.30 Chet is the voice of uh, the Edmonton Eskimos. But we'll keep rolling with some hockey talk. I think of both ice and street variety with our Oilers analyst. You hear him on Overtime Open Line with me all season long. It is my old friend Rob Brown. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing good tonight, Reed. How are you doing? Doing great. Great to have you on the show. I think the last time you were on, you followed uh, Phil Bork, your former teammate. Same thing ha- happening tonight. We just had a very excited Phil Bork on the show as the team he does color for is going to the cup final. I don't know if there's ever a time that Borky isn't excited. He he exudes excitement. He's one of my favorite guys I ever got a chance to play with. So I know it's a fun time for, for he and everyone in Pittsburgh right now. Exciting game seven. They're back where many expected them to be a number of times over the last number of years. They failed to get it done, but they, they've taken to their new coach's style of play. And what I thought was really interesting last night, they have a one-goal lead late in the hockey game. You didn't see a Crosby. You didn't see a Malkin on the ice. Uh, the coaching staff is going with, with what he thinks is their best at certain times of the game, and uh, they've really bought into a team concept. So the Pittsburgh Penguins are for real, and it looks like that Matthew Murray as a 22-year-old in net is for real as well. Well, he's he's one of the surprises of the playoffs, uh, obviously how he's he grabbed that role. And, you know, I talked to Bork how, how the one game they went back to Fleury and, and put Murray back in there. And you look at a guy like Brian Rust, and, you know, later on tonight, Rob, I'm going to have another guy that you would have played, uh, been in the league the same time as you, Danton Cole, who now coaches the U.S. under-18 team. And this Brian Rust played on that U.S. national team development program, went to the NCAA. He was drafted in the third round by the Penguins. And he might be a surprise to some of us who 
don't watch the Penguins every day, but for the Penguins organization, they're probably sitting there and thinking, well, yes, this is the this is who we thought we would get. He played at a high level, played for that U.S. national team program, went to the NCAA. He's got some seasoning uh, in the minors, and, and now he's a reliable player. Well, if, if you're going to be a team that you want to contend with, and you've got stars, and when you think of the the Malkins across, if you look at Chicago, the, the Tays and the Kane and, and all the best teams that they have, those guys make a lot of money. So you better be very good at drafting, be very good at signing and getting role players uh, that can come in and compete and play at a high level at a, at a good price point. And that's what you've seen the, the, the Penguins do this year is they've got role players. Before, everything was on Crosby. Everything was on Malkin. If they didn't get it done, they weren't going to get it done. But this year, they, the Penguins got probably the best third line in hockey, a line with Kessel, Hagland, and Benino. And they've got role players playing with the Crosbys, role players playing with the, the Melkins. And Russ, last night you saw, was playing with, with Melkin and, and comes through big in, in a Game 7. He scored a goal in Game 6, too. So Pittsburgh Penguins have finally figured out that you can't just win with your superstars. you got to have depth down the lineup, and they do have that now. It's it's funny when they when they won the Stanley Cup in 09 they changed coaches midseason. And you know when we did preseason predictions Jack Michael said the Penguins will fire their coach and win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and he's four wins away from being right and of course we'll, we'll never hear the end of it. Um I, I mean look ever ever since they they pretty much ever since they drafted Crosby they they've been a contender. I think they were still bad his first year in the league but they've been good every year since then. What does a mid-season coaching change do to a team? Because because you've been through it. We both know it doesn't always work, but it's working so far for the Pens. It does a couple of things. First, it sends a message. It sends a message from the general manager to the players that I'm not satisfied with what's happening out here. Now I can't get rid of all you, so I'm sending a message by getting rid of the coach. It also uh, it opens up opportunities because uh, all coaches, whether they say so or not or admit it or not, have favorites. They all have... Uh, a preconceived notion of each player, of what they feel about that player, and certain players are always going to play, and certain players are never going to play for coaches. So when you get a new coach, it's a blank board. Now all of a sudden, different players have that opportunity to prove themselves. So if you've got off on the wrong foot with one coach, all of a sudden a new coach comes in, you can start anew. And I think there's a number of players in Pittsburgh that probably did that. And all of a sudden they're like, all right, I, I've got a new coach. I'm going to show them what I can do. Maybe I can get more ice time. Well, maybe I can get on a power play. Maybe I can get back in the lineup. And the, the, the Penguins have done that. A lot of players have proven themselves to the new coaching staff. And what you're seeing, too, is, is the, the coaching staff using all his lines in, in all situations. You know, their fourth line, the line with, with Cullen on it, they're, they're out there in the last minute of a hockey game. You know, you've got superstars on your team with a one-goal lead, and if you win the game, you move on to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they've got fourth-line players out there. So they've got a coach that... When he does that, the players buy into it. They believe in him, and they believe in themselves. So uh, they bought into this new coaching staff, and the new coaching staff has delivered uh, a chance at a Stanley Cup. The San Jose Sharks, uh, you know, have have a new coach, not as new as the Penguins. Peter DeBoer's first season there, he replaced Todd McClellan, who, who of course, is now here um, in in Edmonton. A a Sharks team that's been a really good team for 11 or 12 years, had never been able to make the Stanley Cup final. And it's funny with that team, Rob, because we had the game. The Oilers played them late in the season. The Sharks were trying to clinch a playoff spot. They weren't a good team on home ice. And you remember the game. Uh, San Jose dominated the Oilers in the first period in San Jose, led 
uh, 2-0, and the Oilers came back and, and dominated the final 40 minutes and won the game, and we were both kind of looking like, okay, well, the Sharks will get the playoffs, but they ain't going very far. <laughs> and, and now, uh, again, uh, key goaltending and star players really, really performing for the Sharks so far. Well, and they have a lot of star players on that team. And, you know, the Thorntons, the Pafelskis, the Marlows, the Coutures, all coming through. And I think what, what happened with, with the Sharks is they're getting quality goaltending. But they also got over a hump. You know, they knocked off a team that they weren't able to knock off before. And they, they just gained a little confidence. So they go to the next round. Oh, we got a little more confidence. Now they truly believe. And they believe they're the best team. I, I'm excited about this Stanley Cup final. I really am. I love watching San Jose play. They play up tempo. They got a ton of skill. You, you take a dumb penalty against them, they're going to make you pay because they got so much skill on their power play. And the Penguins are fast. Like I, I think they surprise some teams. They surprise the Washington Capitals with how quick they are, how quick they get on the forecheck, how quick they transition. So you got two very, very skilled teams going head to head, and I think it's good for hockey. I, I think you're getting away from. Uh, defense first where we, we are going to get a goal and then we're going to sit back on it. you got two teams that not only can score the first goal but can score the second and the third. They can play good defensive hockey, but they also can beat you with their offense. So I think this is a perfect final and, and I'm looking forward to watching. Hopefully this is and I'm not sure who I'm cheering for, but I know that I want this game to go six or seven. You're allowed to just say you're cheering for the Penguins, Ralph. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I, 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 am, I am a Penguin fan. But I'm also, I, I, I like Joe Thornton. I like Brent Burns. I like Patrick Marlowe. Uh, I, I admire uh, Joe Pavelski. And this team has been uh, beat down in the press for so many years for, for their perceived failures that I'm glad they're here where they are. I mean, I was excited when they, when they knocked off St. Louis, and I'm a Ken Hitchcock fan. They're finally starting to uh, get a little more of the recon- recognition of how good they have been for this long. And it's not easy being as good as San Jose has been for as long as they have. I know it's mainly regular season, but they've put together some pretty good seasons for a long, long time. So uh, it's one of those, I'm cheering for Pittsburgh. If San Jose wins, I'll be excited for a number of the players on their team. 7.15, Rob Brown joining us. He's a member of the Oilers Radio Network. I do overtime open line with them after every Oilers game. All right, Rob, you also got something else going on this weekend. You're getting a case of road rage, buddy. What's going on? I am, actually. I'm sitting in the stands at service place in St. Albert, which is our big uh, arena in St. Albert, and we have a Road Rage street hockey tournament. My buddies and I started it. Uh, this is our fourth annual. We have close to 500 kids this year, 66, 67 teams. We've got 10 rinks going at all-time Saturday, all-time on Sunday, uh, and it's street hockey. We just thought we're sitting around one night having a couple beers, say, how, what can we do for our kids? We decided to start a street hockey tournament and started with I think 20-some teams the first year, and it's grown to 65, 66, whatever, and and it's cool. And we're hoping for sunshine, but it, it, it's a ton of fun that just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year, and uh, we've had uh, very good feedback from the parents and from the kids, and hopefully this thing will just continue on for, for many, many years. All right, are you, are you going to play in it? Can we see any <laughs> Rob Brown moves out there? Uh, no, because I can still skate, because on skates you continue to glide. When I'm in a street hockey game, as soon as I stop moving my feet, I actually stop. So it, this is not the sport for me. I will be repping because I don't have to move, and I will be sitting there enjoying uh, watching all these kids. Because we have kids from, I think, age 5 all the way up to age 17, and it, it's fun. The kids get into it. They all have their own team uniforms. I know my son's got a team in it, and they are all over at my house right now making their team uniforms. 
creating their own t-shirts and stuff so uh, everyone gets into it it's a, it's a ton of fun and if anyone wants is in St. Albert this week and come down to service place and watch a bunch of kids having big smiles on their faces they play old time street hockey all right well rob good for you for going with that four years now and uh oh i should plug the uh website here if people want to learn more roadragestreethockey.com pretty easy to uh, remember that one hey it's always great to have you on the show buddy thanks for your thoughts on the cup final have a great weekend sounds good you too that is rob brown checking in tonight 717 inside sports on uh 630 yeah love having rob on the show pleasure to work with that guy all right it's a pleasure to do this show every night, but but tonight's uh, especially fun because we have so much to get through. I've been uh, itching to do a full show because we've been preempted by a lot of hockey. Uh, you may have heard of a young man by the name of Mike Riley. He plays quarterback for a team that won the Grey Cup last year. You'll hear from him. Morley Scott will help us tee up uh, Eskimos training camp. I want to get to some of your texts. Of course, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been named to uh, Team North America for the World Cup. Taylor Hall did not make Team Canada. Uh, I want to get into uh, a couple more thoughts on uh, the, the Penguins draft picks and how that ties into some things the Oilers have or haven't done. We'll continue uh, draft preview material with Danton Cole from the U.S. National Development Team I said that wrong. The U.S. National Team Development Program. Yes, he's the head coach of the uh, U18 club. Local product Sam Steele could go in the first round of the draft. He plays for the Regina Pats. He's going to be on the show as well. Lisa Tomitis, the head coach of the Canadian women's basketball team. They're working out in Edmonton this week. Edmonton's their home base. That's all still ahead. We're going to fit it in, everybody, I promise. And time for you as well, 780-496-0063. We're back after this break. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, and you'll hear more from Mike Riley, who has some new jewelry in the next half hour of the show. Eskimos getting their Cray Cup rings today. All right, this is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. Good to have you along for the ride. Uh, back to not having a show on Monday because we'll have Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. I will rejoin you for a full three-hour show on Tuesday night. That'll be fun. Still 2-0. Rouen Noranda leading Red Deer. Four and a half minutes into the second period. Semi-final of the Memorial Cup. Blue Jays lead over the Red Sox has been trimmed to 5-4. Top of the seventh at Rogers Center. Rogers Place... The new hockey arena that will open right here in downtown Edmonton in September. Uh, just reading a story here that the Edmonton Journal has posted. The uh, Edmonton Arena Corporation and the city of Edmonton suing the architects of Rogers Place for $4.7 million. Uh, HOK Architects and 360 Architecture, which was purchased by HOK, are the uh, targets of this suit. Uh, the uh, Edmonton Arena Corporation, which of course is owned by the Cates Group, also owns the Oilers. Uh, Cates also owns the Oilers. And the City of Edmonton saying that it cost $4.7 million to correct the alleged design flaws. Uh, though the uh, statement issued by the Arena Corporation and the City saying the legal action was necessary to protect their interests, but they're uh, downplaying it a bit. They're saying, 
Within the context of a project in excess of $600 million, a claim in the amount of $4.7 million is in no way unusual. So uh, there you go. No further comment on this uh, as it is before the courts. So I suppose uh, if you look at it that way, 4.7 million out of uh, 600 is not that much. Uh, what have they said here? One of the allegations claiming that HOK failed to include a provision for a natural gas refueling station for Zambonis and forklifts. The fix for that cost $188,000. Something else having to do with ceramic tile cost about $22,000. So I guess a bunch of little fl- alleged flaws uh, like that. Just taking that from reporting here by Bill Ma from the Edmonton Journal. I, uh, and yeah, they're probably not going to comment anymore on that as it is before the courts. You can text us at 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. I should acknowledge the uh, studio producer tonight, Bernard Suen. Bernard, how's life, buddy? It's going good. Good. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Good to have you on the other side of the window tonight. 37-30, Cleveland leading the Toronto Raptors. Game six, the Raptors must win to uh, stay alive. That one is early in the second quarter. All right, uh, just was talking there about Matt Murray and Brian Rust for the Pittsburgh Penguins, both being third-round draft picks. Now, Rust, as I said, is a guy who kind of, he's 24, brought along how you would expect, played for the U.S., National Team Development Program. They're exposed to a high level, a rigorous level of competition. He goes to the NCAA. He plays for the Penguins farm team, Wilkes-Barre, and then he becomes a Pittsburgh Penguin, and he's been pretty valuable in the playoffs. Matt Murray, I mean, not expected to be the goalie in the playoffs, but that's how it's worked out. Fleury had the concussion issues. Murray's grabbed the reins. So both third-round draft picks of the Penguins, the, uh, the decade of darkness, as it's been dubbed, by a lot of you, 10 years out of the playoffs for the Edmonton Oilers. In those 10 seasons, the Oilers' most successful third-round draft pick, Theo Peckham, 160 NHL games. He was taken in the third round in 2006. He had four goals and 17 points. Now, of course, some years uh, the Oilers did not have a third-round pick. Recent third-round picks include Bogdan Yakimov and Anton Slepyshev in 2013. Uh, Jujar Kara in 2012. They still have uh, a chance here to become impact players. Uh, Samu Perhonen, third-round pick in 2011. Travis uh, Awanek, he's since been traded to Ottawa. Ryan Martindale, third-round pick in 2010, has not played an NHL game. He's also been... Uh, which trade was he in again? Was that the Florida one? Yeah, to Florida for uh, Steve Pinizzotto. Troy Hesketh and Cameron Abney, Oilers third-round picks in 2009. Uh, they did not have third-rounders in 7 and 8. I mentioned Peckham in 2006. Just going back a little bit farther, Danny Savret and Robbie D in 2005. Savret uh, out of London played 59 NHL games. No third-rounder in 2004. Zach Stortini, 257 NHL games. He was a third-rounder in uh, 2003. So, I mean, uh, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going over an Oilers draft record that you all know isn't good, um, but certainly over the space of 10 years, you should have more uh, a player in the third round of higher quality than Theo Peckham in your draft history, and the Pittsburgh Penguins certainly do that. So, anyway... Just a bit of an example there. Uh, well, you know what you can also do for fun, and I'll read them later in the show or throughout the show as we go along. You can text your Stanley Cup final predictions. 
to 630-630. I believe I am doing predictions uh, with Stoffer and company on Oilers now between 1 and 1.30 on Monday. I'm sure that's going to go well. I'm sure Bob won't uh, make fun of me. Bob's very quick to remind you when he's right. <laughs> I picked Tampa Bay, and I said Ben Bishop was going to be the key to the series. Well, Bishop didn't play, yet within seconds of the game ending, I get an I told you so text from Stoffer, who, of course, uh, picked the Pittsburgh Penguins. It is 7:28. Raptors down eight with seven minutes left in the second quarter. Mike Riley, one of the gentlemen you will hear from in the next half hour of the show. This is Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Here's the ball game, folks. It's in the air, and it is good. Eskimos win it. Sean White, the hero, he nails one from 53 yards. Bowman, Watson, and Lawrence are in motion. There's the snap. Riley drops, waits, looks, throws to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos! Darrell Walker with the reception. He looks to the right now, pumps once, dances, looks left, now looks back to the right side, and he'll throw. And Aaron Grimes has one. Easy peasy. It's a long way, but it's a clear path. Can he get there to the end zone? Still on his feet. Touchdown, Eskimos! I don't know the word to use to totally let you know how I feel right now on the inside. I don't think it's a word to, to explain it, but I am thankful to be in the position I am. I'm thankful for the younger guys. I'm thankful for the veteran we got and Coach Jones, first of all. Him and his staff, man, they, they took all of us and made us men, and so I feel like a lot more success is coming our way. Will it come the Eskimos' way again in 2016? A Darius Bowman shortly after the Eskimos won the Grey Cup in Winnipeg in November 26-20 over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Well, today, one final little moment to tie up some business from that season as uh, the Eskimos were given their Grey Cup rings. And now tomorrow, they jump into the new season as training camp gets underway. You heard some highlights there called by this man. Play-by-play voice of the Eskimos right here on 630, Chad. It's Morley Scott. Morley, I... I I know you were you were struggling uh, with being a little sick when you called that Sean White field goal, so I I was reluctant to put that in there. But it was such a me- memorable moment from the season. I, I I had to I had to include it in the highlights. Yeah, I had the bad throat going that night for sure. It was a it was a cool night in Winnipeg, uh, but it was a great finish for sure. Sean White. A lot of guys too read point to that kick and that game as the game where they say at that point. We knew we had something special going on here, and of course, that was uh, that was part of a big stretch of ten straight wins right to the Grey Cup uh, in uh, November in Winnipeg. So yeah, it was uh, it was a bad throw, but it was a good it was a good kick. You, uh, it sounded fine, buddy. You're always good when you're calling a win, right? Uh, Morley, the the, uh, the players got their Grey Cup rings today. Uh, people can check out. If you follow any Eskimos player on Twitter or the Eskimos account itself, uh, by now you'll have seen a picture. I think you tweeted a photo uh, of of one of the rings as well. I, I I gotta ask I gotta ask this question. I kind of hate to do it, but people will want to know: Was Chris Jones and last year's coaching staff at this ceremony? No. Okay. 
they were not. Uh, they open up training camp in Saskatoon tomorrow, so they got uh, more pressing business uh, at hand. Uh, the players who are still here were all here. The only guy uh, that I saw there that, that isn't a part of the team this year is Brian Ramsey. And uh, he was there, of course. He's retired since the end of the season and now working uh, as executive director for the Players Association. He was there, and it was a big moment when he got his ring. I know the players were real excited for him. Uh, he was a guy who, who virtually played his entire career to get that ring tonight because he retired at the end of the season and it was his uh, first great cup game his first great cup championship uh so he goes out a winner so good for brian ramsey who was back tonight to to share the memories or this afternoon i guess to share the memories uh with his teammates from last year seeing all these guys and i know there are changes but i I, you know i think a lot of the team is back and a lot of key players are back depending on what happens during training camp but for right now they're around you observe this group on on a daily basis from late May until sometime in November every season. What was it like to see this group together in this situation, starting a season? Um, you know, with this getting getting the ring, getting the accolades, and knowing now that it's not about becoming the champ; it's about staying the champs. They really, the guys I talked to tonight, including Eskimo GM Ed Hervey, really walked the fine line tonight. Rita saying. This is fantastic. This is a great reward for the for the work that we accomplished last year. But that was last year. Uh, they all posed for pictures. They all put their rings on. They all looked at them. Uh, but when they go to bed tonight, they're going to put the rings in those nice boxes. They're going to close the lid. They're going to put it away for a while because the focus clearly shifts to, to 2016. And we even heard that earlier in the week when I talked to Mike Riley on the telephone, uh, when I talked about the ceremony tonight uh, with him and what he expected, he he virtually said, I'm excited for it, but I can't wait till it's over because I'm already <laughs> focused on 2016. 2015 uh, is over. Uh, it'll be a great memory and something I'll remember forever, and it'll be great to get the ring, but I'm already thinking about 2016. Uh, seeing those rings, man, it, it's got to make you greedy because they're so nice. You, you Once you get one, you got to have another one. And and at that, on that note, I'll say congratulations to Dwayne Mandrusiak, the equipment manager to the Stars. Uh, he's, of course, the longest-serving Eskimo employee. He's got to put this one on his foot because he has no more fingers left for Grey Cup rings. Uh, that's how great and long his career has been with the Eskimos. Uh, this Grey Cup ring is his 11th in his great career as an equipment manager with the Eskimos. Wow, that that is awesome. And speaking of Mike Riley, I know you talked to him uh, this afternoon. I'm going to play that interview once uh, once you and I are done here, Morley. Into training camp now. Uh, give me and the fans here a, a, a sense of what happens this weekend, uh, You know how quickly they're going to jump into things and, and start doing things the way Jason Moss and his new staff wants things done. Uh, they're going to get right into it. Uh, tomorrow it'll be his medical uh, day. They do medicals and physicals uh, tomorrow at the field house. Uh, they go through that process, which is a long process, and you know they have to do all the drills and they take all the times and the weights and the measurements and, and everything. Uh, and then they will be on the field 8:30 on uh, Saturday morning, or Sunday morning rather, 8:30 Sunday morning to get things started. Uh, the process is going to be two days. Uh, 8.30 and about 10.30. They'll have their two workouts. So not much time between the two workouts. They'll be done by 1 o'clock every day, and then they'll have the afternoon to to have meetings and to do prep work and to study the playbook. So uh, there's going to be some players' signings announced in the next couple of days for sure. The Eskimos roster is really light right now, but I I know they've they've got players who have been signed but haven't announced yet, and those players are, are either in Edmonton or on their way to Edmonton. So we'll hear more about them as we go along. But they'll have their group of... I think it's 75 players and non-counters going into training camp on Sunday, and they'll get right into it on the field Sunday and uh, going right after it uh, 
starting things up for the 2016 season. As uh, Mike Riley said earlier this week, yeah, we won last year, but nobody cares what we did last year. They all want to beat us now this year, so uh, they're preparing uh, to get things rolling for 2016, starting uh, tomorrow uh, in the field house with physicals and then on the field on Sunday morning. All right, what do you have going on for the Eskimo show this weekend? Uh, you know what? Usually when we talk at this time, Reed, I know because the the show is quite often in the in the bank by now. But this will be the uh, the live show that we do, the first live show we do uh, during the off season. And I can't really tell you we're gonna we're gonna see guys on Sunday at uh, practice and at, uh, at the first day of training camp. We're gonna do some interviews. We're gonna talk to some players, and and uh, Dave will be in with me on uh, Sunday at four o'clock, and we'll have the uh, the first stories of the first day of training camp coming to you four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Looking forward to it. They have not lost a game since, what, Labor Day? Uh, yeah, Labor Day was the last time they lost. Uh, and, uh, they, of course, beat the Stampeders in the rematch and then rolled off those 10 straight wins. And uh, we'll see how long they can keep it going into this regular season. Awesome stuff. Morley, thanks for checking in tonight, buddy. Have fun at camp this weekend. Thanks, Reed. Talk to you later. That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos right here on uh, 630 Chet. So, yeah, ring day. And, uh, and now we'll see. I mean, this this is the, the fascinating thing about the new challenge. Good team. There are a lot of players back. I, I mean, I know Aaron Grimes is gone. Foster, Otha Foster is gone. Dexter McCoyle uh, getting a chance with the NFL. Kendall Lawrence went to Saskatchewan. Shamad Chambers is gone. There are a lot of guys back. Riley's back. The O-line is back. Walker's back. Bowman's back. The running back situation will be up in the air, but I think it'll be competitive. Uh, you know, Sherritt's back. Willis is back. A lot of this team is back. Now, the coaching staff is different, and how will they handle the success? Because now they're the team wearing the bullseye. Now they're the team everybody wants to knock off. Now in Calgary, they're talking about how do we beat Edmonton. That's been the storyline here in Edmonton for the last several years, that long losing streak against the Stampeders. Now the shoe's on the other foot. Mike Riley quarterback for the green and gold got his great cup ring this afternoon i couldn't be happier with it um and again it's something that i probably i probably won't wear too often because <laughs> I, I don't want something to happen to it but it's something that every time i put it on i'll be reminded of what we did this year this past season and uh and i have a ton of pride in that What's sorry? Did you have any anticipation, sort of wondering what it would end up looking like? Yeah, for sure. I had no idea. Um, you know, none of the players were involved, and that was on purpose so that we could all, you know, open it together and see it at the same time. Um, you know, we did this as a team, and we wanted to see it all together as a team. So that was that was the perfect way to do it. But none of us had any idea really what to expect. Um, you know, I've seen a couple of Grey Cup rings. Dwayne has has a fair collection, so I've seen a lot of Edmonton Eskimo Grey Cup rings. Um, but this one's the top of the class, in my opinion. It was uh, designed perfectly, and um, we're all super excited about it. The world of sports has a lot of cool traditions, but the championship ring's got to be just yeah. so good. Yeah, for sure. It's something that, um, you know, not that many people get the opportunity to to own and and to uh, to work hard to earn. So um, it is. It's a symbol of, of not just what you see on the field on the weekends, but, um, you know, all the hard work that goes in, all the sacrifices that are made by not just the players, their families, the support staff on the team, uh, the business side, everybody, all the work that goes into having a successful championship season. So, um, you know, that's why people take so much pride in it. They're so excited about it. Um, and again, this captures all of that. So, uh, you know, there's nothing that I would change about it. It's uh, it's one of those things where it's perfect. And, uh, you know, again, I'm excited about it, but 
now it's on work towards trying to get another one. It makes you feel greedy, doesn't it? It does. It does for sure. Um, you know, like I say, it, I guess it's a good good thing. I, I guess when you get you get content with with the one that you just earned, uh, you probably should hang them up. And and certainly it's uh, again something to be extremely proud of, and we all are. Um, but. You know, it's 2016 now, and it's it's good to finish last season. Uh, not put a bow on it, put a ring on it, I guess. But uh, um, you know, yeah, we've we're, we've all been looking at 2016, working out, getting our, our bodies and our minds prepared for it. But it, it's hard to truly move on until this night happens, and, and now it has. So talking to you today and earlier this week, you're very conscious of flipping that page, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I am. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where in sports. Um, you know, that's the ultimate prize is to win the championship. Um, but once the next season starts, nobody cares about the last year. You got to do it again. You got to continually prove yourselves over and over and over again. Um, and, and that's how sports is, and that's what makes it great. So uh, this is no different, and we understand that. We understand the challenge ahead. And now, you know, you're the champions. You're the team to beat. So we got that bullseye, but we'll wear it proudly and we'll defend it. I know you had a question. How do you, how did they do it? How, do, how was it done? I mean, you said that you all opened it at once. Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, they called everybody up one at a time to recognize everybody's accomplishments. Um, you know, on the on the football side, on the operation side, on the business side, um, and it had a box with a rubber band around it, and there was very specific instructions not to take the rubber band off until everybody had theirs. And then Ed uh, gave us a countdown, and we all opened up for the first time and all saw it together as a group. Again, that that was pretty special because we do things together. We we win as a team, we lose as a team. We won this great cup as a team. Um, and so to be able to be in that room with the guys that I, I worked so hard with um, and all of us get to, to have that prize to see it all at the same time, I wouldn't want it any other way. What was it like to just look around at the faces? <laughs> I, I wasn't looking at anybody's face. I was looking at my ring. <laughs> I couldn't take my eyes off of it. But, uh, you know, just the excitement, again, is is incredible. Um, you know, but our, our team plays with a ton of emotion when we're out on the field. And, and so there was a ton of emotion in there and, and a lot of excitement. Um, so that was just great to see that. It was great also, um, you know, I, I said it right after we won that Calvin McCarty and Brian Ramsey were the two that I was the most excited for. And, and Calvin obviously was here today but Brian also was able to make the trip even though he's retired now he wanted to spend this evening with us uh, so to see those two guys go up on the stage and and have their box and then to be able to open it and, and know that you know all their work throughout their careers has paid off with this that was pretty special special day indeed for the Eskimos they have their rings now the hard work starts again tomorrow with training camp Riley mentioned Calvin McCarty the longest-serving member of your Eskimos. He's up next inside Sports on Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Ryan Nugent Hopkins will play in the World Cup of Hockey for Team North America. He's one of the seven players rounding out the 23-man roster announced this afternoon, along with Mark Shifley, Austin Matthews, Jonathan Druant, Jacob Truba, Colton Pareko, and Shane Gostisbear. You can get my interview with Ryan Nugent Hopkins from earlier in the show on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Just uh, click on the story there on the Nuge as well. Taylor Hall not named to Team Canada. The forwards selected instead of him today. Matt Duchesne, Claude Giroux, Brad Marchand, and Joe 
Thornton. 3-1, Ruen Noranda leading Red Deer late in the second period. That's the semifinal of the Memorial Cup. The winner will play London on Sunday afternoon. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310 Glass, uh, glass today. The Cleveland Cavaliers finishing the first half with a flurry against the Toronto Raptors. 55-41 for Cleveland at halftime. LeBron James has 21 points. So Cleveland, uh, nice little cushion, 14 points as they try to finish off that series and advance to the NBA Finals. The Blue Jays back in front of the Red Sox. Uh, they were up 5-2. The Sox tied it. Now 7-5 for the Blue Jays playing in the bottom of the eighth. Josh Donaldson, two home runs tonight for Toronto. Justin Smoke has gone deep as well. All right, Reed Wilkins with you. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet still ahead. Local product Sam Steele getting ready to be drafted in Buffalo June 24th and 25th for the draft. And uh, the NHL Combine is in Buffalo next week. So Sam Steele from the Regina Pats getting ready to go to that. But we'll continue with the football theme. Eskimos got their championship rings, their Grey Cup rings this afternoon. The longest serving member of the Eskimos, Calvin McCarty, talked to our Dave Campbell. I, I really can't even describe it. It's, it's an awesome feeling. Kind of the the final stamp on what a great year that we had and to be able to finally, you know, have it in my hands instead of thinking about what it would look like, it's, it's there's no words I can really say. You said final stamp, I guess is that what this really symbolizes compared to you final win? Final mark. We won't say stamp. Fi final yeah, final mark. Oh, uh, that's a full yeah. par right there. You know, yes. the final mark <laughs> yeah, for the 2015 the final, season. Final step. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz cuz it is different, right? Because you won the cup. Now you got your rings and it's the day before training camp. Yes. I mean, we're obviously everybody's excited to be back and and anxious, but it's just a reminder of, you know, what we're all here to do and mm -hmm. especially with this organization and this club and I've been lucky enough to still have an opportunity to play here and and have a chance to win it last year and to be able to have come back and have another opportunity. I'm that much more excited and you know just having a, a different perspective on coming into a season as opposed to always chasing. Now it's time to come in and be chased and you know we're, we're going to expect the best from everybody but at the same time that's what you should expect from everybody so we got a great group of veterans and I know guys are excited. I'm excited. One for nine, I think two for ten is, a, you know, a little more, sounds a little better, but I'm going to enjoy this one tonight and get ready for training camp. Now that you have the ring, and I'm asking you about a half an hour after you've seen it and, and you're wearing it now, but what really... I got the wear it. What really, I haven't got the wear it? Oh, okay, okay, oh, you should wear it. <laughs> uh, but what comes to mind, like when you reflect on the season, reflect on basically your career, it's, it's been a lot of tough years yeah. that you have been involved with. It's, you know, it's a, I just think about all my old teammates, seeing the Great Cup rings for the first time, Dwayne, Tucker, the story about his ring getting jacked back in the day, you know, but just to keep it keep it uh, in perspective, is there's a lot of guys that I play with that haven't had an opportunity to wear one too, so for those guys, for, you know, helping me along the way and keeping me focused and, you know, it's... it's it's a big, you know, it's, it's a family, and to be able to, like I've, I've been saying in the past, to, you walk by the trophies, you see the tradition here, and finally be able to have one that, to to say that, you know, that's mine, that's ours. It's priceless, man, and I'm, 
it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a nice finish to a, a great year. The big thing for me was getting around the, with the Great Cup in the community and seeing the support of the next generation of kids coming up wearing Eskimo Championship t-shirts and just the support of hats around the community. You see guys at bus stops, you see guys at the bar wearing Eskimo gear and it's just, you see what kind of effect that, the ripple effect that you can have by winning a, a championship that it has over a city and just makes you want to, makes you want to do it again. Did you hear lots of talk about what the ring looks like and and? There was a lot of talk, but it's a lot of like makeshift talk because I don't think anybody really knew what they yeah. were talking about. So uh, <laughs> we just knew they were going to be big, and they're definitely huge. All right, that is Calvin McCarty from the Edmonton Eskimos as the team getting Grey Cup rings this afternoon. Good for Calvin McCarty, hardworking guy, a hardworking Canadian player. Got a big first down on a uh, faked kick. In the Grey Cup, the Eskimos won at 26-20 over the Ottawa. Red flags! Did you see, by the way, the, the redesigned uniforms for the Canadian Football League this season? Not too many major changes for the Eskimos. The home uniform will look very similar. Some changes to the striping on the sleeves. The road uniforms will be with the gold helmets. The uh, green shoulders are gone, so more of a basic white jersey. I don't know if you saw this, the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks have their, their hashtag, their Twitter hashtag down the side of the pants. I actually like that. Why not? Everybody's using Twitter. Put your hashtag on your uniform. I'm surprised I'm saying that because usually I'm pretty traditional with uniforms. And unlike most people, I hate the BC Lions new uniforms. I think they are awful. I, I like the, the white helmets with the orange and white better than whatever it is they're trying to do with the uh, with the orange and the black. I think it looks bad. Then again, what do I know? And it's just a uniform. Don't forget tickets for Fire Aid go on sale Monday at 10 a.m. Ticketmaster.ca. Brett Kissel, one of the performers, he was on Inside Sports earlier in the show. You miss anything? Go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. We have all the uh, audio files there. You can also sign up for the podcast. All right, it's 7.57. Man, we still have a lot to go. We'll get back to some uh, hockey with draft preview talk. And I want to see what's going on with the Fort McMurray Monarchs. That's their senior men's football team. Are they going to be able to play this season? If so, who's helping them out? We'll get some of those answers after the 8 o'clock news. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.